listening to Splash with Shalene Bryan. Get ready to be splashed with love and laughter to rehydrate your soul. I'm Shalene Bryan here with my buddy Barbara Cameron. Hello, everyone. We're ready to splash you with a little love, laughter, and encouragement to rehydrate your soul. And today's guest has actually been a friend of Barbara's mm-hmm. from way back Same in the day. And then I got to meet her way back in the mm-hmm. day. I feel like I've known her forever. Mm-hmm. But please welcome to the Splash Zone, Mandy Young. Woo! Mandy, <laughs> welcome. Thank you for having me. So, where are you right now? I am actually at home right this second. I am working on a whole bunch of different things. Right? You're in Georgia uh, though, right? Oh, yes. Yes. I'm in, I'm so in Georgia, she's, yes. Yeah, she's in the Splash Zone all the way in Georgia. Just so you know, we yes. couldn't have her live in the studio, but we are so excited to have you here. I remember... We were on a, I was going to go speak on a cruise with Barbara Mm -hmm. and I Mm -hmm. had already met you, but we showed up and you were there serving um, Mm -hmm. with your joy. I mean, I want you serving as a welcome committee at any event I ever do. You're the best welcome (laughs) committee, but you had a t-shirt on and it Mm -hmm. said leg story, $10. And I I almost just died laughing (laughs) because I thought, I wonder how many days, how many hours in each day you get asked about your leg and everyone listening right now is going, what's up with their leg? What is she a model for legs? What's going on? (laughs) We're going to hop into this. We're going to splash right into it because here's what's so nuts. Can I just tell you truthfully right at the very beginning of this podcast, I never knew the full story of your leg because I knew that when I asked you, it was going to be a big story, right? That that Mm -hmm. wasn't just something like, oh, I'll take a donut and hey, what's up with your leg, right? So I feel like every time I've been with you, it's always been with groups of people or there's been tons of stuff going on and you're like, hi, hi, or you're setting up the big, you know, booth table for Candace at an event and I see you there and your mom and I'm like, hi, but I've never really sat down and broke bread with you. Like this is like the first time I get quality time uninterrupted with you. And I'm so excited because you're about to (laughs) splash our listeners Mm. with just a wake up call, Mm. um, even just about our attitudes because knowing you, I'm just honored to have you here. So thank you so much for being here. And I know you want to speak even to their friendship. Like, do you remember? Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't remember which show because they were both. Was it Growing Pains? It was Growing Pains, I think it was Growing Pains. Mandy? So I met Kirk first. Yes. Kirk came to the hospital. Yeah. And I met Kirk at the hospital. Yeah. And And then you came to the show. Yeah. We came to California and we went to yep. Growing Pains and we and went we, to Full House. Yep. And wow. then we fell in love with this family. And right. then when the camp started. <laughs> camp Firefly, we which is so we Kirk's. the second year. Yep. Oh, wow. We Kirk, the second year that Kirk ever had camp. Camp well, actually, Firefly. the first time that we ever met Kirk, when he came to the hospital to meet kids, he was looking at Callaway Gardens mm-hmm. to see if that's where he wanted to have camp. Mm-hmm. And Barbara's son is Kirk Cameron. For those of you listening that go, who's Kirk? What are oh, they talking sorry. about? No, he yeah. was starved growing pains. I know, mm-hmm. but sometimes people don't no, realize don't that Kirk's Kirk your son Candace. and then Candace on Full House. Like <laughs> she true. had a full house of growing pains going on. That's for right. sure. Yes. And it's so funny to me that people don't know that Kirk and Candace are brother and sister. I too. Right. <laughs> it's cute. I know. And I'm lucky to get to know them all. Yeah. So she was one of our second families at Mm -hmm. the camp. Um, Right. That's awesome. uh, Yeah. You you were chosen, girl. Right. And And 29 years later, here we still are. are. That's right. That's well, I right. know I just said the leg and everyone yes. must be going, what is she talking about? You're like, get to that point. Like, what is <laughs> happening with this? Um, 
and just how God has just used you and opened up so many avenues well, and of let your me, life. Let me tell you, when I wear that shirt, it's so funny. If I don't wear the shirt, I probably get asked five to six times a day. Wow. Oh, what happened? What happened? What happened? As Okay. So for people that are, are listening that don't know me, I am an amputee. I don't wear a prosthetic. I just use crutches. And so it's a very visible disability. And so I get asked constantly, you know, but if I wear that shirt, never. <laughs> people do not ask me about the leg. And I think it's hilarious. People I'm like, won't part with $10. Oh. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And I'm like, so days that I'm just like not feeling it. I'm right. Just like, okay, I know what shirt I'm wearing today. <laughs> but I, I, but I have actually had like two people. I'll forget that I'm wearing it, and I've had two people come up and just hand me ten dollars, and I'm like, like complete strangers, and I'm like, what? And they're like, your shirt, and I'm like, oh, so I like, love that. Okay, I'm not I... gonna take your money, but I'll tell you what it is. <laughs> um. But anyways, so basically the shortest version that I can probably tell you that will turn into lots of questions, I'm sure, is um, I was born a healthy nine-pound baby with 10 fingers and 10 toes. And shortly after that is when my life became consumed with doctors and hospitals and illness. And when I say illness, I'm not talking about like coughing and sneezing and runny noses. Like a little bit of my medical background, I had spinal meningitis three times. I had a stroke that paralyzed the left side of my body, and I had to learn how to walk and talk again. Wait, wait, wait. I you had, had a stroke under nine years old? Under, well, this, well, okay, wait, hold on. We'll get to that part. Okay, okay. Go ahead. I'm <laughs> okay. sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Um, okay, so I had the spinal meningitis three times, a stroke. I had so many seizures that doctors said it would be a human vegetable, three separate comas, strep throat that turned into scarlet fever, double pneumonia, tubes put into my ears 11 times. Um, my mastoid bone, the bone that's right behind my ear had gotten infected. The infection was almost touching my brain. So I had to have that removed. And then once birthday morning, I woke up with a horrible, horrible stomach ache. And it took the doctors three months and after losing half of my body weight to figure out that I had an infective lymph node and not stomach cancer. And all of that had happened before I was four. Stop. So, so it was just like infection oh. after infection, but like life-threatening infection right. after infection. So we lived in North Carolina at the time. And so we were traveling all around to different hospitals, different doctors, trying to figure out what was wrong with me. And at four, we actually flew out to Houston and we met with David Vetter's doctors who people know better as David, the bubble boy. Mm. So oh. David had just died. And so my story, his story was really the only ones that we could compare mine to. And so we went to Houston and I was poked and prodded on by his doctors for a week and there was three things at the end of that week that they could tell us. And that was one, if they would have known that I would have had this before I was born, they would have put me into a bubble. But because I was already pre-exposed for four years, there was no point in doing that. And let me just wow. tell you, y'all know me good enough. That would have never worked out yeah, for anybody. God knew okay. you. He's like, Manny don't live in no bubble. That's no. for sure. Don't live in no bubble. <laughs> you would have popped it. That's what would have happened. Exactly. <laughs> um, number two is that I had a low white blood cell count, which is something we already knew before we went there. And three was that my body was further advanced than medicine. And so we had to wait for science to catch up to me. Wow. And so they just sent us home and said, hopefully you'll, you'll catch the next infection before it gets too bad. 
And so once we got home, I started getting better. Um, I was getting sick. My sicknesses were getting a little more and more spread out. And so my doctor said, okay, if Mandy can go five years without getting sick, we'll just consider this like a childhood thing. We won't even worry about it anymore. And I had almost made it five years. And I got a small cut on my leg, didn't even bleed. We tried to medicate it at home, but by in the morning it had gotten infected. And so we went to the hospital and I spent a week on IVs just to make sure that nothing would happen. And during that week, this cut seemed to slowly but surely heal. So they went ahead and sent us home. And I just didn't feel right. Like something just wasn't right when once we were home. And my mom had that mother's intuition of get back in the car. We've got to go back to the hospital. Mm, don't mess and with mama's. So, that's right. That mother's intuition. You don't play with that. mama bear. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. And so um, by the time that we got back there, I was in like excruciating pain. Um, the only way that I know to describe this pain, you know, when you're sleeping in the middle of the night and you get those calf cramps, like those Charlie horses mm-hmm. that you have to like bite your pillow to get through. It was like that, but 10 times worse than that. So uh, I can't walk on it. My dad has to carry me inside. My mom uh, turns around and notices that the back of my calf is turning blue and purple and green. It basically looks like a bruise that was coming to the surface and then it was spreading, right? But all of my vital signs were fine. So they're like, what? Like you could see something is definitely happening, but they couldn't tell, figure out what was happening because everything else was checking out as normal. Um, and so oh my gosh. I kept asking to get put into a bathtub because I just knew that the leg, the cramps would subside if they would just put me into a bathtub. And so I reached out and I grabbed this nurse by her shirt. I pulled her in my face and told her to put me into a bathtub. And so get me a bathtub. Yeah. I was like, put me in a bathtub now. And so she went and asked the doctor and he said, you know what, until we can figure out what to do with her, just make her comfortable. And as soon as they put me into that tub and that water submerged my leg, black blisters started to pop up. And that's when I was yanked from the tub, thrown into an ambulance and taken to an adult hospital across town because they had the hyperbaric chamber, yes, which basically depletes the oxygen in your body and just slows everything down. And the reason those that those hyperbaric I that, oxygen chambers they use for divers, right? I mean, that yes. go too low for mm-hmm. the bends, and they put you in there. They also yeah. do it for stroke victims. If you get in one of those yes. within the first forty-eight hours, it's it's remarkable. So right. were they feeling like they put you in a hyperbaric oxygen chamber? Why? Because they needed everything to slow down. Because when they saw those white blisters pop up, right. they knew that I had contracted gas gangrene and Clostridia septicemia, which are two very, what? very rare infections. And I was actually the first documented case to have the two together since World War II. Okay, girlfriend, and- have you bought a lottery ticket? I mean, my <laughs> goodness. You've won, the, you've won the Powerball 10 times. So, okay, holy yeah, so- cow. Anyway, so basically the doctors came to my mom and they said, here's the thing. You can either go ahead and let her die or we can try to amputate her leg, but we're giving her less than a 3% chance to live even after we take her leg. And they said, so basically you're going to have a funeral either way. Which way do you want her to look in the casket? (gasps) And so (laughs) I'm just like, who who talks to your patients like that? That was, um, this was two weeks before my ninth birthday. So oh. we, my parents were like, we've seen her fight so many times before this. You have to try. Like, you have to try. And so they started at the toes and they worked all the way up. Um, so I am a hip disarticulation. They had to go all the way to the hip. 
And um, I was. Oh my gosh, I didn't know that. Wait a second. Yeah. Oh, is that why you don't have a a prosthetic leg? Because can you even? That's part of the reason. I mean, I can get them. I've had them. But, that but is they went of, to the hip, girlfriend? Yeah, it's all the way to the hip. Oh. So we, um, once I was in surgery, my lungs collapsed, my kidneys failed, my heart stopped. And then can, I finally made it out alive. Can we get it? Yes. Luckily, everyone listening what? knows you're alive because when what? you're hearing this, you're like, what happens to her? And I'm like, oh, wait, she's talking. Okay. Because this is just nuts. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Praise God. The storyteller is the person. Thank you. The storyteller. This is her. Okay. Oh. But, um, so then I was in a coma for two weeks. I woke up right before my first, I mean, my ninth, ninth birthday. birthday. Yeah. And so, um, but I had no idea. So when I woke up, uh, everybody's so excited because I've been in a coma for two weeks. And so I don't know what's going on. Everybody's just excited that I've woken up. Sure. And the last thing I can remember is that the, before I went to sleep, my leg was causing a lot of pain. And so I started feeling around for it. And then my parents were like, oh, goodness, we got to tell her. Like, we've got to, you know, we've got to tell her. And so they sat down on the edge of my bed and started trying to explain to me of how the doctors had to amputate my leg in order to try to save my life. And at eight years old, I didn't have, or nine years old now, I didn't know what amputate meant. And so I looked up at my mom and I was like, so will my leg grow back like trees grow new branches? And she was like, no, honey, I'm sorry. That's just not the way our bodies work. And I was like, okay. And I fell back asleep. (laughs) Um, But after that is when we really started trying to find somewhere that would start studying me and trying to figure out why I kept getting sick because I'm now starting to lose body parts. And you can only lose so much and still be able to live, right? And so um, this is when we were appointed to the National Institutes of Health in Bethesda, Maryland, and to a Dr. John Gallen. Um, The NIH, so like if you're watching anything that has like a medical statistic on it, 85 to 90% of the time, it's going to come from the NIH. Like that is what they do. They are all about research. And, but to be a patient there, you have to have one of the diseases that they're studying at that time. When I was trying to get in, AIDS was a really big thing. Magic Johnson was going there. That was like the big thing that they were studying when I was trying to get in. And so not to cut you off, but, but they don't know what you have yet. Right. Yeah. So we have no idea. I mean, how do you know if they're studying the disease? No one's told you what it is. Well, they're not because there is nothing. Right. Right. Okay. I just want to be sure I was understanding that. Okay. Yeah. So we don't know what it is, but we just prayed over it and we sent my stuff in. And, um, after a couple of weeks, this Dr. Gallen called and he said, you know what? I'll take a shot at it. Like, go ahead, come up here and I'll take a shot at it. So for the next 14 years, I became a human lab rat. 14 years? 14 years. So we were going up there. So we lived in Atlanta. Anyone listening, having a bad day? Right. <laughs> Suck it up, Buttercup. So, yeah. Oh my was, goodness. We had moved to Georgia a month before I lost my leg, so we were now going from I was Georgia having to go to Maryland, to Maryland every four weeks. Wow. And so, and my mom wouldn't fly at that point, and so we were driving back okay. and forth. Wait, Mama doesn't point. fly. She's that yeah. brave to do everything she does, but she won't get on a plane. Girl, <laughs> she it's a whole fly. issue. She does now, though, right? <laughs> Yeah, well, well. I have to, oh, yes. 
That's okay. There's a magical pill well, that she has found that I can put, <laughs> I can give her to get her on a plane. Okay. So, listen, Candace and I have stories upon stories about I my bet. mother in the plane. But I bet. But this so, is but not so about monthly, so monthly you're driving. Yeah. Your so monthly we're going, driving okay. back yes. and forth to Maryland, and so. You know, they're putting me through tests that basically no living thing should have to go through. Mm. And I'm going through all of these tests. I'm still getting life-threatening infections. Um, But luckily, I had the NIH to go to, you know, one, so they could get me better. And two, that they could study me while I was sick. And then they weren't having to create something to make me, you know what I mean? Like through these tests so that they could study me while I was sick. And then I went through hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of blood draws, right? <sighs> and so at each one of these things, we would be like, okay, where are we? Like, there's got to be something. There's got to be, like, we got to know something. And every time Dr. Gallon would give me this example and he would say, imagine you're on a boat and you're in the middle of the ocean. And I'm like, okay, I'm there. And he would say, there is no land in sight, and this happened for 14 years. <laughs> and so um, anyways, it was just, it was a crazy time. It was a very, um, I, I don't, I don't even know. I, I don't even know. So then. And what is your faith during this time? Because at nine years old, did you even come to saving knowledge of Jesus? Did you even know what that meant? Did luckily, you? Luckily, I grew up in a Christian household. You know, I was brought up in church. I was, you know, vacation Bible school every, you know, every summer and and all of that kind of stuff. So I definitely had a Christian base. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, because I, I was I was had... grown up in all that same stuff, Mandy, but I right. was missing heaven by 18 inches. I had I head that. knowledge, but my heart was far from it. Right. I think there's something about your faith and your testimony that shifted the atmosphere in your life well, and for I you to be say... able to endure that. What was that? when I lost my leg yeah, because I did see heaven and I did have that interaction. See, heaven was for real way before it was heaven Heaven was was for real. real. You could have done your movie. Mandy says heaven's for real. (laughs) Exactly. Cause I had that. Um, I remember floating above the operating room. I remember everybody running around in chaos and just watching it with peace. Wow. And then the entire room was, just went white. I mean, like the brightest white that, okay. Imagine you're in a plane and you're like going above the clouds when the sun's out. And you know that like you have to like close your eyes Mm -hmm. because it is so bright. It was like that. It was the purest, most gorgeous, brightest white, but you don't have to close your eyes. Mm. Like you just get to, you, you get to take it in and like, you get to be a part of it and you get to see this and then something it was, I know it was God, but no word was ever spoken, but it was like, and this feeling of your, it's not your time. You've got to go back. And it was like this pushing of, you've got to go back. You, you're not, it's not your time yet. And the next thing I remember is waking up from your coma, from my coma. And so, um, that was a very pivotal point for me. Like that was, Oh, this is for real. Like Mm -hmm. this is, and I mean, and that happened to me, thank God it happened to me at nine, like nine years old. Like, you know, I don't, 
So I've had that foundation since I was nine. You know what I mean? Like, Mm. I know that I know for a fact what my job here is on earth, and that is medical whether it be a guinea pig, whether it be whatever, I guess I should tell the rest of the part of the story yeah, because please. this kind of comes full circle. But in 2003, we got an email from Dr. Gallen and he said, it started off with, we know the basis of Amanda's problem. Uh, there I'm known as Amanda. Nobody else knows me as that. Right, right. Her answer. But um, then he called us and he said, do you, re- do you remember that boat? I said, yeah, I remember that boat. And he was like, well, we found land and we've docked our ship. <gasps> And so we traveled to Maryland like we had done so many times before. Gave me the chills, I know. This time we were going to hear the news that we had been waiting 22 years for. And so, and honestly, I didn't believe it because we had gotten our hopes up so many times. Like there have been other times, like they were like, oh, we might know something. Oh, we don't know anything. Oh, we might know something. We don't know anything. And so it wasn't until we got to Dr. Gallen's conference room and there were all of these scientists from all over the world who had done nothing but study my blood for years. And as I started to shake these grown men's hands who barely spoke any English, they started to cry. Wow. And I was like, oh, they know. Like, they really, really knew. And so we sat down and we started learning about my IRAC4 gene mutation. Um which is basically my body forms its own infections and doesn't know that I'm sick until I'm on my deathbed. And it's called IRAC. Yeah, I R A K four. The number four. And the number four. Okay. Yes. So. Um, and that's the first time you ever heard of this. I've never even yes, heard of that I in mean, my life. Was, right. Yeah, and that's the thing. Even if you look at it, even if I Google it, I don't understand it. So yeah, I, I, I just did. It term. says Mandy Young. No, it doesn't. <laughs> I'm kidding. I just <laughs> so there is when when this was all discovered, um, it I I am the oldest by like ten years of all the people that that have it. So there was fourteen other people who had IRAC four, but I'm the only person that has the genetic mutation. I actually have two mutated genes, and so. Um, and I'm the only person in the world that has that. And I am, from what I've been told, have have had the most dramatic and um, extensive amounts of um, infections. Um, since then, I actually just got an email yesterday from somebody on from my website who said, my son was just diagnosed with this. I hear that there's 70 people that are now diagnosed with this. Um, but on from the, the planet, last I heard, 70? Yes, on the planet, yes. Wow. But I'm the oldest by like 10 years. So I'm kind of the frontier for this. Right. And they have never been this far into the immune system before. And so from what they're learning about me and my body and the way that it works, they're being able to learn about lupus, arthritis, heart disease, and cancer. And so to me, like getting to be a part of that and that what I've been through might be able to help millions of other people. Mm. Like I am so blessed and honored to be a part of that. Like, but I, that's how I know that that's what my job here is. Like Mm. it is here to be whatever vessel it is that he needs me to be to maybe help millions of other people. And so everything else I get to do is just a bonus. That's just a bonus because I know what my purpose is and my purpose is for medical and I'm totally okay with that. Wow. So there's, 
I know that was a really long, short story. No, it's a beautiful <laughs> story. That's the easiest way that I know to tell it. So what is a day in the life? How old are you now, Mandy? 38. 38. So what does a day in the mm-hmm. life now look like for you? Every day is so different. Sure. So, um, because a year ago, was it a year ago? I've changed all my cords, by the way. I saw your post about your house burning, your room burning down. And then you showed that was five years ago. Yeah, that was five years ago. I mean, everyone for Christmas got a new phone charger cord because all of ours had a kink in it. And I'm like, no, 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 let me show you Mandy's post. And everyone just shut up and take the cord. Um, but I mean, it's not like because you've had this one thing and you've, you know, died to self completely and said, I'm going to surrender my body to science and say, Lord, this is man's chief end is just to glorify you. And if I can glorify Mm -hmm. you by helping millions and millions of people and doctors and scientists come up with cures for arthritis and cancer and all these ailments, use me, God. It's like, Mm -hmm. that's not an easy thing to live. And I know you, Barbara knows you, you live this way. Like Mm -hmm. she's not being fake people. This is truly Mm -hmm. the joy of the Lord in her because it's something like you almost, you had to have seen heaven because you're not, I've never even seen you angry. I've never even seen you have an attitude. I've never seen you, you know, rude. You always have been so kind and it's, and and that's a choice. It's a choice, but it's the joy of the Lord is your strength. You have this strength. You walk around on these crutches, like you have both of your legs are fine and and you're just, you, you move faster than me. Sometimes I'm like, wait up, hold on. I mean, like you're a force, like you're just a force of nature, how God is using you. And it's, it's so powerful and it's remarkable. And how do you tap into that? Like tr- truly tell us what a day in the life is for you. A day in life is very different. I mean, it's, it's always different. So yeah. I, I work in real estate. I've been in real estate for like 18 years. Okay. Yeah, I've been in real estate for eight years. In Georgia, years. so I, someone needs yes. a house. Right, call us. Call her. Um, but um, I, so I work in, I just work at the real estate office like three days a week now. And then I'm traveling speaking. And so I, I could be traveling. I also work for the cruise company that you were talking about. Yes, so was that Premier? Yes. Uh-huh. It was Premier, yeah. So I travel with Premier whenever they have cruises and that type of thing and work hospitality. And um, I have three little nieces who are like the joy oh of my, my gosh, life. Oh my gosh, they are adorable. That, um, Best bows <laughs> you've ever seen in your life. Yeah. Oh, I'm pretty obsessed with them. Yeah. And so they pretty much. Is. Can, <laughs> right. <laughs> so they keep me very busy. Um, but it's just, I kind of go with the flow and let, let God tell me where I need to go for the day and, um, and figure it all out. Um I don't, I mean, I'm normal. It's, it's totally normal. Yes. I'm a lab rat. Yes. I do all of these different things, but like, I'm normal, just like everybody else, you know, go into work, work, have family life. And I like to travel a lot. Sure. <laughs> but then there's also days I think that people don't realize because I do wear a smile on my face a lot of the time. And I am very, um, in pain. I'm in pain a lot. Like, yeah. I mean, that's one thing that I don't think people realize, like right. physical pain, that I am in physical pain the majority of every day. Just your body's not meant to be on crutches for 29 years. I mean, it's not. No. And so I have, you know, I've already, I'm 38 and I've already had my knee replaced three years ago. And, um, but 
it is what it is. And so that's what uh, we were at church, what, what, two weeks ago. And I was just like crying during a song because it was talking about a new body. And I was like, you know what? When I get to heaven, like I can still be one-legged. I'm totally fine with being one-legged. I'm completely <laughs> secure with who I am as a one-legged person. As long as my body doesn't hurt anymore. I mean, mm. oh, the things that I could accomplish if my if my shoulder didn't go out all the time or if, you know, uh, like all those your knee, things. Yes. Yeah. So, um, even though I do wear a smile on my face, it doesn't mean that I'm not in pain or it doesn't mean that I don't struggle. I think that that's what people see is like, and that's like, I'm trying to be real on my Instagram or my Mm -hmm. Facebook and stuff like that, because I don't want people to think like it's all roses and everything Mm -hmm. like, no, it's, I do struggle and I do struggle with a lot of stuff, but I go straight back (laughs) straight back to my faith, because I know that that's the only thing that's going to get me through it. Right. What is the best way someone could encourage someone that's going through maybe a medical issue right now in their life? Because I think sometimes people don't know what to do. They they don't, yeah. they don't want to burden you with saying, what can I do for you? Yet at the right. same time, I feel like people just need to show up. And also when someone has a personality like yours, mm-hmm. you you don't know how to really ask them, are you really okay? Because right. I've seen you enough and you truly, it's a choice. I know joy is a choice, but I also mm-hmm. know the joy of the Lord is your strength and mm-hmm. that your theme verse for your life, you had told me years ago was Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. For yeah. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope in a future. And I love mm-hmm. your testimony. I mean, those of you listening that have opportunities to bring Mandy in to speak um, to the women and, and even young people, it's very powerful because you never once... Um, in your testimony have shared that God, you felt God was harming you. Right. Um, no. I think he's given you the ability to handle things that most people can't, which is right. the other one of your favorite verses that I can do all things, right? Philippians, right. I can do all things mm-hmm. through Christ who strengthens me. And there's power in that. And yet when you get to meet someone and be splashed by someone like you're doing to all of us, everyone that's listening right now um, with the truth of your story is it's humbling. Mm-hmm. You realize that, no, we don't realize how tough we are. We don't realize how much we can actually do when we're weak. We don't realize how powerful God really is until mm-hmm. he's all you have. Right. Right. And you daily are faced with that. I mean, the fact that you've already um, lived 10 years longer than anyone with this Iraq four. I call it Iraq. (laughs) I know. Is that what it's called? No, it's it's, it's, how do you say it? Iraq. It's just like the country. Iraq four. Yeah. Okay. And it's like with with that living 10 years and saying, and God, I'm going to every day surrender. That's what we should be doing right now anyway. Like every day, like right now. I should be saying, God, I want to surrender everything about me to your will. What is your will? How is the best way I can be used to affect millions for your namesake? And Mm -hmm. yours is a little more obvious. And so for you, it's something that you can't hide. But I feel like how can people, um, maybe you could splash on some of the listeners right now, how someone could encourage someone who's in a situation like you or how someone could be bold, uh, bolder in a situation like you, what would you say to them? Well, I mean, definitely one showing up. I mean, that's being intentional and showing up up is like, I mean, I'll say even when I had my knee replaced, that was honestly worse than my amputation was. And it was 
And I felt very alone during that time. Like it was, people were trying to give me space. People were trying. And I'm like, no, I need you right now more than I've ever needed you. So like show up, like Mm. just be there, text people, call people. If you can't physically Mm. go to someone, like you don't even have to be like, okay, how are you today? Like just start random conversations. Just let people know that you're in their life. Um, You know, I mean, I feel like, I feel like with different people, okay, this is like a whole other speech that I have when I talk, but like love languages are a big thing to me. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm like, I wish that when we met somebody, we were like, hey, my name is Mandy and my love language is quality time. (laughs) And then like, that's how people. Not, I'm Enneagram number. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, and it's like, think about how much better we could love one another if I knew that you were a physical touch and I need to hug you more. Right. Or that Barb likes words, you know, and like, I can encourage her more with words of endearment and stuff like that. Like, so. Mm, So good. Mandy, I've, I've listened to you speak. And you yeah. are an amazing speaker. I think the one out here was uh, making lemonade out of lemons. Lemon, mm. yes. yes, it was That's wonderful. Right. So where can our listeners go uh, if they have a women's event coming up and they would love to have you come uh, speak? Where would they sure. go to? Um, they find can go you? to my website. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my website is mandyyoung.com. That's easy. And MandyYoung.com. Yeah, very easy. With a Y, not an I. Yep, yep. M-A-N-D-Y-Y-O-U-N-G.com. And you can get a hold of me there. And then I also have um, social media out the wazoo. So I have that connected on there too. So your um, Instagram is also, or is it all up on your website? It's Yeah, it's all on my website. Okay, perfect. There's direct links and stuff like that on my website. But but one other thing that I was going to say that I feel like went... One thing that people, and I don't know if this is necessarily for, it's, I guess it's for both sides. One is that if you know somebody that's going through something and yes, being there for them, but also don't baby them Mm. or don't give into them. Like that's one thing that I can really say is such a testament to my parents and to my family is that I was never treated any differently with one leg or with two legs. And So I really appreciated that, you know, like, but when you baby somebody and totally go to them, they're never going to feel like they can amount to who they used to be. And so, especially if you are like, if they're an amputee of some sort or something like that, like push them, like pushing them and motivating them is loving them, doing it in a loving way, obviously. I mean, some people need tougher love than others do, but babying them and tending to them is also enabling them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so like, I feel like that's one thing that I have just, God's put on my heart a lot lately. Like don't soften it for them. Like you need to be tough and they need to be tough. And like the more that they start doing on their own, the more they're going to feel like their old self. Right. Does that make sense? So good. Mm -hmm. Mandy, thank you so much for joining us today on Splash. It's been amazing having you in the Splash Zone and just sharing us with your wisdom and insight. And I want to thank and encourage all of our listeners. Thank you for listening Mm -hmm. today. Um, We would love to hear from you. And also Mandy would too. So feel free to just drop her a line at MandyYoung.com. And our listeners, please drop us a, a line at our Instagram, The Splash Podcast. And until next time, let's splash someone today by showing up. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. Come splash with us at shaleenbryan.com.